Welcome to the Walk Podcast of the Thompson Institute, a podcast for students and faculty on your walk across campus as a resource for your spiritual journey. I'm Aaron Badenhop. And I'm Jordan Browning. And we are your hosts and fellow Buckeyes. Mark your calendars for the evening of Thursday, February 28th, 2019, as the Thompson Institute will be hosting an event in the Ohio Union Archie Griffin Ballroom featuring philosopher Gregory Gansel as we explore whether or not the Christian story best fulfills human longings and aspirations. In the next part of our interview with Dr. Vanderpoy, we ask him to describe his experience of the culture of history departments, and we ask what he might say to the person that questions that Jesus was a real figure in human history. Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience as a historian in the the world of historians, because yeah. I think... Each academic department in the university tends to have a little bit of a distinct culture from other parts of the university. And I wondered if you could describe from your experience what the culture of history is like. In other words, are there certain Hmm. philosophical presuppositions that one is assumed to have as a historian? Yeah. Yeah, of course. um, Yeah, the culture of history department. I mean, yeah, I think... In one way, there is a kind of cliche that um, academic departments in general, maybe history departments in especially, maybe tend to be a lot more secular, um, and maybe the university in general is just a kind of place of secularity. Uh, and I think there's some truth to that, although I think that there are far more um, people of different faiths um, than, we, than we maybe realize. Um, you know, the, the whole... The idea of secularity, I mean, I know I might ruffle some feathers here, but that's a belief system in itself. And I think more and more people are coming to terms with that in, in a kind of postmodern critique uh, or a critique of the modern world. Um, secularity was one of the big developments. And if you look at human history, it's pretty rare and pretty recent uh, to believe that, to believe that there's no God or gods, plural, if, you, if that's, you know, if you're a polytheist. <laughs> but um, it's certainly a very unique uh, characteristic of the modern moment um, of secularity. Uh, as I said, I think more people are coming to terms with that that itself implies a choice, that you have to choose to kind of believe something. Um, there is no, in some ways, purely objective form of knowledge. At some level, you even have to be able to believe that your brain has the capacity to observe phenomenon, you know, uh, and uh, so, sorry, that's getting a little bit existentially or philosophically <laughs> deep, but the culture, I think, of academia has been, as I said, maybe in a cliched way, seen as as um, uh, very secular. I think maybe more and more people are feeling, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe more open to to talk about their faith. I'm sure there was a time when it was a lot maybe harder. You had to maybe put on a uniform, uh, kind of uh, intellectual uniform, maybe if you wanted to do well in academia. Um, but I also think that by nature, I can, I can at least speak of history departments and historians, they are inquisitive and, and sort of truth seekers in a sense. And so there tends to be also an openness, uh, uh, really actually an eagerness to embrace kind of new theories uh, and, and, and to think about a new way of, of or, or be open to 
looking at something in a new way. And we may, we may have just come full circle that it's, it's sort of radical to be, uh, uh, to believe, to be a theist. And so that that might be the new cutting edge mm. <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, thing to be open to. But yeah, I, I think you could say that some of the, those views of, of academia have their truth. Um, but also, you know, it's a, it's a place of intellectual inquiry. And that means that people are hopefully open, um, as open as we claim to be. And sometimes our, what I claim to be and what I act like is not, doesn't always match. Um, <laughs> sure. anyway, yeah. Yep. So I wonder if in that environment where secularism seems to be so predominant, like what it's like for you to be a historian that doesn't rule out the possibility of divine involvement in the world. I mean, you expressed even in your own life this sense of God's grace reaching into your life in a in an experiential way as a mm-hmm. in the middle of your college experience. Yeah. Um, and how do how do you live in the academic world of history and uh, not rule out divine involvement in the world? Yeah, well, you don't um, compartmentalize. Well, uh, let me put it this way. I think the tendency is to want to maybe sometimes compartmentalize and say, well, here's my scientific side and here's my religious side. Here's my political side of my personality. Here's my economic life. That's a very modern tendency as well to sort of separate your life into discrete spheres of of meaning or interaction. And that's not who we are. We're just really complex uh, and some level mysterious kind of beings um, and messy. Um, and so I think the first step is acknowledging that and being okay with it. I don't know. I don't have, that's maybe in some ways that, an, that answer is kind of like a holy grail. Everyone's sort of searching for how do I perfectly um, relate the different kind of aspects of my life together. Um, yeah, I won't, I won't um, uh, deny that there's times when, when you try to engage in a rigorous scientific exercise or, or subject, um, there has tended to be this kind of dichotomy that is actually not fair or correct. It's something also that erupted out of modernity and uh, people like John Locke and stuff that there's a dichotomy between faith and reason. And we're much more complex than that. Um, And reality is much more, I think, uh, complex than that, that you can just separate, you know, that faith is somehow opposite to Mm. reason. Uh, That's the result of deifying and worshiping reason, actually. Mm. Um, That's which is a form of religion itself. Mm. Um, I think that on some level, um, all forms of knowledge imply a leap of faith. You had to have, be- you have to believe that something is even knowable, and that's a form of belief. So, um, sorry, I can't remember exactly what the original question was, but <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> that's great. Mm-hmm. And even, I guess, uh, on a personal level, like, have you found? there to be challenges being in this environment, the academic world, personal challenges to your faith that you've had to wrestle through, yeah. that you've had to struggle through over the years? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, being a historian or being really just a human being, there are these moments of doubt. And I would just say that's a huge, hugely normal thing. Um, some would even say there is no such thing as faith without doubt. Um, and yeah, there's moments where I wonder, you always wonder about the truth of, of things. And um, yeah, and I, one thing I would just say, especially any, anyone maybe listening to this, whether you are a Christian or whether you're someone doubting or that just can't even go in for any of that, is that that is completely uh, normal. <laughs> the, 
that is uh, a part of, I think, faith. Faith isn't necessarily saying I've got the answer tied down perfectly. It's admitting that I'm struggling um, and that I'm going to just choose to take the leap anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I've had mm. moments in my career where, you know, especially looking at things historically where I go, well, you know, the evidence uh, tells me this as a historian. Um, uh, but I never, um, I don't think I ever believed because I um, saw evidence that convinced me 100% of the answer. I believed because I felt love. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Something we um, hear fairly regularly, I, I think, even in having conversations with students on campus, we'll um, yeah, ask people like their thoughts on Jesus, who they thought he was, is. Yeah. Um, and, and there are, you know, often we hear comments like, uh, and even understandably so, especially for those that maybe didn't grow up in a religious home. Or right, yeah. It's like, well, yeah, maybe he existed. Or if he did, like, who knows if what we could really know about him is uh, what the Bible says or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I, guess, I guess for yourself, like, as an ancient historian, um, I guess how would you respond to that question? Like, you know, how do we even know Jesus existed? Right, uh, yeah. Oh, it's a great question. And it's one that, um, you know, uh, scholars, ancient Historians, uh, as well as, you know, scholars of, you know, the Old Testament or the New Testament, sorry, and the Gospels or the quote-unquote Gospels, uh, still debate heavily. Um, I'll just give a basic answer as just an ancient historian because that kind of, uh, you know, what are called the the Gospels are not my exact precise area of of expertise. But um, as a historian, you tend to want to look for things that can maybe date it, um, anchor it in some sense of reality. And when I, you know, read things like the Gospels about the narratives about the life of, of Jesus, um, you get these good little tidbits of, you know, that this happened during the reign of, of the Emperor Augustus. Uh, it also happened during the reign of the Emperor Tiberius. We're given the name of the prefect of the region of Judea, Pontius Pilate. Um, there's a, an inscription that bears his name that's somewhat controversial, but that also... Um, gives us at least a, maybe an uh, archaeological evidence that these things are were did exist. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I could be a little out of the loop on this. I'm not sure that many, even historians of of the historical Jesus, really date that or sorry doubt um, that that he existed. Um, on some level, I would also. I work in a period known as the early Roman Republic, and we have just terrible sources. Hmm. Uh, I would kill to have the kind of sources we have for the New Testament. Um, those are, uh, you know, eyewitness sources, and it's essentially, I d- although I know that there's a lot of debate on, on their authenticity or, you know, their authorship. But, I mean, I would kill to have the kind of sources to work with that New Testament scholars have. Uh, so in that sense, um, I, I think the, the sort of fact that there's just so much written, there's a decent amount written about this guy, um, is suggests is a kind of preponderance of evidence. Um, I believe in other things in history that have far less uh, evidence for them. And at some point, I also think you have to kind of make a decision that something, an event did occur or, or a person did exist. And again, like I said, there's other historical figures that people just routinely take for granted that maybe have far less evidence when you actually look at, at what sources we really have for them. Aaron, um, really appreciate, uh, again, the interview that we've, we're listening to with Dr. Vanderpoy. And um, again, particularly with this episode, I think something that stands out is um, his comments as an ancient historian, his perspective on 
the sources that we have for the person of Jesus, and that he, I think he even said that he would kill to have um, those uh, the quality of those sources that we have. And I think this is kind of a twist on how um, those of us who aren't ancient historians, how we typically think of something um, like a figure uh, who existed so far back uh, as Jesus. And, and I think for even for myself, I think I'm reminded that... Um, that there are many factors, many of which even that are out of our control, that that might keep us from a well-rounded perspective on something like the person of Jesus and how helpful it is to have someone like Dr. Vanderpoy to help kind of fill out that perspective. Yeah, Jordan, I I wanted to mention to our listeners that if you are at all interested in exploring uh, the historical records of the person of Jesus, feel free to check out our episode notes. And there's a a book there uh, by Bauckham that is a a great resource that you can look into. And I think, uh, Jordan, what I appreciated about what Dr. Vanderpool had to say had to do with his discussion of doubt and the challenges that he faces as a scholar and a Christian. And I, I like how he really normalizes doubt, that he really wanted to emphasize to our listeners that it, that if you are someone who experiences doubt, or if you're an outsider to faith who has uh, questions, skeptical criticisms of, of the Christian faith, that, that that's okay. That that makes sense. He sort of normalized those, those questions or those doubts. And um, it was interesting to hear him say that the way that he's continued in the faith is not by always having a perfect answer to all those questions, but that he's has, he's experienced love and that that experience has been a grounding thing for him, even in the midst of, of doubt. So it's not the removal of doubt that's kept him in faith, but this experience of God's love uh, in his life. I, I just found that to be pretty profound. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, please stay tuned for the last portion of our interview with Dr. Vanderpoy as we discuss how he looks at the Bible as an ancient historian and how he thinks Christians might go off course in defending the faith. Thanks so much for listening to The Walk of the Thompson Institute. The personal views presented by the scholars and professors on our podcast do not represent the views of their employer. For upcoming events and for more information, visit thethompsoninstitute.org a program of crew at Ohio State.